0: Season suspended. Let's do some past analysis. Hello, FPL surgery listeners. As you already know, the Premier League season is currently on hold. So, the thought would produce a couple of podcasts up until when it actually comes back, seeing if there's any patterns or Evidence that could potentially help for the rest of the season or seasons to come, depending on if the season is void. On the show this week, we will talk about game weeks 1 to 15, mainly concentrate on them. What volume of stats were a sure sign for future FPL points? patterns from Game 1 to 15, what affects form, dream teams from 1 to 15 as well, and then we'll finish with the Iceman's Quiz, which a lot of people are looking forward to because it's a long time since I've done the Iceman's Quiz, apart from at the end of the season okay welcome back listeners to the 166th episode of the fpl surgery podcast we are recording on tuesday the 17th of march 2020 ice man here again so seasons on hold meaning the same for fpl but don't worry we're here to look back i am joined as ever by my co-host stefan welcome back stefan how are you coping in these troublesome times well, I'm starting to cope
1: all right. The guys in Slack would probably know that I've been following this virus and uh, been freaking I've been freaking out a bit about it uh, a bit before everyone else. So, here in Norway when the shutdown finally happened last Thursday, I feel pretty much settled and I'm, uh, I'm having okay days now and going out in nature, getting some fresh air, being with my kids. Working a bit from home and things are pretty much fine for me now.
0: Yeah, you were well prepared before anyone else, weren't you? Yeah.
1: So, but uh, people should stay in, of course. I think it's a, it's the best advice to give in these times. Just stay in and as much as don't con- Yeah, don't contract this thing if you really don't need to. Yeah. It's, uh, doesn't sound too pleasant
0: yeah no it definitely doesn't but we don't want to go into that too much because i'm sure there's plenty of other podcasts which have already done that but as mentioned we'll be looking back at game weeks 1 to 15 and then next week's pod will be doing 15 to 29 so our guest this week has nine top 50k finishes in fpl with seven of them being in the top 20k Mm -hmm. Three in the top 10k, with his best being 514. That was quite a sentence there. He produced his own podcast named FPL Toilet. It's Doug Jones, aka Apple Bonkers. Welcome to the podcast, Doug.
2: Hello, James. Hello, Stefan. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, Shame great. about the circumstances. but It, it is. Yeah. I
0: mean, we're looking forward to having you on, with a, on a podcast, looking forward to a game week, but kindly filled in and you're gonna, you've looked back at the game weeks as well. But how, how are you getting on this season so far?
2: Uh, wow. Uh, my season is a mirror image of Lundström's season. So started horribly. Started getting going just before Christmas, when yeah. Sheffield United stopped keeping clean sheets. And then went amazingly when he got dropped. And then had a little a little wobble last game week when he came back. Came <laughs> back on top form with 12 points.
0: So, so you you are wishing for Lungsden to just have a bad game week nearly every week now because that means you'll yeah. have a good one. Wow, what a but, wish! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, he might be back in now. So, to be honest, at, where are you at the moment? What's position?
2: Uh, I am uh, 75k.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's pretty solid at the moment. So pushing towards that top ten K finish at least then.
2: Uh, yeah. Who <laughs> to knows? Go, to go yeah. along
0: with your with your great record. But let's firstly this Stefan, how did you yeah. get on the last game week? Of course I'm <laughs> joking, I'm joking. I know yeah. I'm hilarious. We all not, know. Not not one more time. <laughs> there are no game weeks last game week, but unless well, you took a hit, you actually finished on naught points for game week thirty, yeah? since the last time we played
1: I had some hope because I was set to have five players in the second part of the the game week so yeah wasn't completely uh, rock bottom, but at this point, I just—I am rock bottom. I had this the made the big uh, red arrow of the season and I wasted my wild card into a non-existing gaming thirty. So people are going to talk about it later. I think maybe on some questions, but I think for my part, I can always blame this season on the coronavirus. So yeah. it will—it will work <laughs> it's out. A, it's a easy for, go-to then. for me as well. Yeah, my overall rank history will be terrible this season but uh, yeah. at least I had something to blame it on
0: <laughs> yeah same with me same with me well as you all know listeners is loads of speculation of, about what's going to happen with the Premier League and when it will actually be back with the Euros being moved to 2021 a lot of thinking that the Premier League will be delayed further but we don't know so we're not going to go into depth into discussing it in any way but what we do know is that the deadlines for FPL remain the same so you will get given a transfer every week as you usually do my advice to you listeners is to save up two transfers and then just use one to either remove deadwood either target players that you can have now until the rest of the season or players with the most fixtures anything that you guys think or can add to that for all the listeners about what to do with their transfers
1: Uh, i have uh, i have an assumption since they didn't stop the game or just postpone Game Week 30, I think they have some real strict technical problems with their um, with their software.
0: Yeah, I agree. Me-
1: yeah. Meaning that I don't think they will be able to just add Game Weeks after 38 easily. Because if they could do that, I guess they just would have stopped it now also. So it looks like um, yeah, not the best software maybe. And if that's the case, I expect lots and lots of double game weeks. So for me, I would just do the opposite of what I did on my wildcard, and I would just transfer out players who has fewer games left.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just,
1: just targeting the get, players with the most games. And just get all those who has more games uh, in hand, like Sheffield United... Aston Villa uh, Manchester City Arsenal of course target the players that have more more games because the double game weeks will be pretty sick I think
0: yeah I agree with that Doug anything that you would like to add to that well I was just going to ask do you guys have your wild card left I do but but Stefan does not but we won't go into
2: that I I even saw it it was just people talking on Twitter, but I think last time they had an issue, nothing like coronavirus, but they gave out a free wildcard. If you remember, oh. Game Week one, I can't remember what season, maybe five, six years, years ago.
0: Yeah, they did, yeah.
2: I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them to dish out another wildcard or just, yeah, something something to sort of further ruin our planning, basically.
0: Yeah, that would really, for people who do have a wildcard, that would really pain me, but for the likes of Stefan, we'd really welcome that, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I don't know. Maybe in my I think it's unfortunate either way for those who are well-carded in 29. Nothing yeah. to do about it.
0: Yeah, there's nothing, you can't predict this sort of stuff. It's just unpredictable. But we won't go into that too deeply. But let's actually mention our, mention our patrons. Firstly, thank you to all of our patrons. You are brilliant people. We got to mention each week uh, Andy Portlock, Vince Paul, Ron Foster, are all pledging at the highest tier so they get a special mention each week. Also, to announce on this podcast we won't be charging for the month of April... And onwards until football actually comes back, because there are probably a few people that have just completely tuned out at the moment, and we're not going to we're going to charge for that. But okay, back to the FPL headlines then. Game Weeks 1 to 15. We're going to mainly concentrate on them for this podcast. So what happened in Game Weeks 1 to 15? So looking back now, I'll kind of rattle through a few of these. So try and keep up if you can. We know that Liverpool finished top during this period with 13 wins and one draw. Watford were bottom on eight points. Also know that Sterling scored a hat-trick Game Week 1. and um, We all should have captained him over Salah, but he did get a golden assist. That's okay. Well done to Paddy, the hitman for captaining Sterling Game Week 1. But Sterling became a bit of a flop for the money that he was, we realised by that point. We also knew that Callum Wilson was highly owned Game Week 1, and a lot, including myself, removed him Game Week 3, but he actually started on a run of returns for the first seven game weeks. So pretty huge there. Also, Pookie started well with four returns in his first five and then tailing off and disappointing a load of managers. Lord Lundstrom, as Doug has mentioned there, he got uh. he got three of his four goals during this period of the season. People also were rewarded for ditching double Liverpool defence early. Uh, and a lot of people hung on to them. Manet returned more than Salah through this period, 39 points ahead of the Egyptian there. Leicester smashed Southampton 9-0 and kept seven clean sheets. Man City smashed Watford 8-0 without Sterling. And uh, Kevin De Bruyne confirmed that we already knew he was the best midfielder in the world. What else do you guys remember about these game weeks? Doug? I'll come to you first. I just want to
2: start by saying I'm, I'm almost getting aroused just... By hearing about football that actually happened,
0: mm, it's interesting. <laughs> I, I was looking back through this and I was li- listing them down. I've got a load more here as well, but it was actually quite interesting for me to just kind of run back and see it all and think, "Wow, that was exciting times, wasn't it? Oh, those were the days." Yeah.
2: Uh, what happened? I guess Liverpool clean sheets. You saw that. You mentioned there people were right to ditch the double up. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that was they kept conceding one every game, which is it's the nightmare in FPL. That's
0: the most frustrating thing, isn't it's it? Especially every you game.
2: But uh, I don't even think that was a mistake. No, the lo- uh,
0: logical thing to do was to have them, but you just weren't getting returns. So, in the end, eventually, it wasn't really worth the money, was it?
2: Definitely, definitely, definitely not. But I think it was two in those fifteen game weeks, two clean sheets, which is that's insane. Because I think they had a lot of good fixtures then. Obviously, it's almost half a season; they have all the fixtures pretty much, but. Yeah, that one really, that one caught me out. Uh, Lundström, my nemesis, should have just jumped on, but I just couldn't believe this player. He's, when he scored a brace. Yeah, he's, he's never scored a brace in League One. He's <laughs> doing it in the Premier League. It's and in that match.
0: You don't have him, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I thought if anyone's going to ruin my season, it's going to be someone like Mane, Kane, Aubameyang, but it, it's a 4.0 Sheffield United newly promoted um, out-of-position defender. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, I didn't have him as well. Don't worry, you're not the only one. Anything, um, else, uh, anything else, Stefan, which you can remember from game weeks 1 to 15?
1: I think the Liverpool defence was pretty much the key and also how the the five at the back talk died quickly, quickly yeah. after game week 1. And the Alisson injury for Liverpool, of course, would have meant that Liverpool were less likely to keep those clean sheets. And you got that run in the start, you got the Norwich game where Norwich scored deservedly, but after that Liverpool played Southampton in which Adrian make, made that horrible mistake so Ings could score against Arsenal, Arsenal just got barely got the one goal, a mm-hmm. clean sheet against Burnley, and then Newcastle scored, uh, I think it was uh, Jethro Williams who scored a great goal, but the only shot on goal. <laughs> and and then, so they could easily have three or the, of the first five games in, with a clean sheet, except Adrian, of course, makes it a bit harder. Other than that, Sterling underperforming. I think it's a big... Uh, you, you pulled up some numbers, James, and Sterling was on top for expected points for the first 15 game weeks.
0: Yeah, I sure. saw. And,
1: and e- even missing the 8-0 game versus Watford. And so that that's pretty extreme. So he has been underperforming the whole season. And, and one might wonder if he's he just lacks uh, Leroy Sane in that team to get those easy tap-ins yeah, post-to-post crosses. Yeah, and good I think in recent years, Sterling has gotten a lot of his goals and assists basically from one yard. He he just stands at the back post and taps them in. And this is not so so much.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, he's he's completely gone off a cliff and he's still off that cliff at the moment. You're just wanting for him to, to come back in. There were some other things which I... I did listen, I managed to find loads and I'm just going to read this off and if you've got anything else to, to add at the end of this, just let me know, but Pope letting us down quite a bit, where he was right up there for the points at the end of this he was only 11 off the top spot but everyone was thinking that Pope was letting us down Mason Mount was the cheap option in midfield to go for, uh, I brought him in nice and early, along with a few other decent options like Campwell at Norwich he was an option, Fleck as well at Sheffield United, Zinchenko was the one to start with, but you knew that he would eventually have to move him out and he was. Sionu was the cheap option for the high fly in Leicester. Vardy went on another one of his scoring runs. Connolly the 4.5 option for Brighton. He emerged quickly then disappeared quickly. Abraham, he returned five double-digit scores during this period and then not again for the rest of the season. Marcel, flattered to deceive as he always does. Ryan was an option. Kane was an option. Madison was consistent. Uh, Yarmolenko went through a period where we all wanted him. Triore actually announced himself on the scene with two goals against Man City. Alonso, he came back for six game weeks, scored and assisted two and then he was injured again. Perez became the most streakiest player to have ever lived. Harry Wilson takes a hell of a free kick. Krull saved two penalties against Man United, but they still lost 3-1. Aubameyang was the most consistent player in the league until he came up against the wall of Sheffield United. I was actually at that game with Prince Abdullah bin Mossad as well. Everyone went nuts over David Martin, the West Ham goalkeeper, even though we knew that he would lose his place. <laughs> Van Dijk has got three of his four goals on the season through this period. Ali started his purple patch under the influence of the manager Jose Mourinho. And Arsenal sacked Emery. All this happened in game weeks 1-15. to 15. And I know, obviously, I'm reading a list down there. I was just as I found all this, I was just... It brings you back to think, wow, all of this has happened in football and so much can happen in football during a period that you soon forget it, don't you? And looking back, yeah. it's quite amazing what has happened.
1: So Marco Silva just barely survived those first 15 game weeks, I think. The last game against Liverpool was game week 15.
0: Yeah, it was the 5-2 or whatever it was. When did he go then? Did I miss something? I think he went after the Liverpool
1: game when ah, they lost. Okay. Um, but the, the thing that hits me when you list all this stuff is basically this season and... A big reason of my struggles and maybe a bunch of other more experienced manager struggles are every single bandwagon you could look at just paid off instantly. Yeah. If if you bought Pookie after Game Week One, you got bingo. If you bought Lundström Bingo, Mason Mount, he delivered Tammy Abraham, he did the stuff. Go to the Leicester defense, just buy anyone there. They had like five, six clean sheets in a row. Whereas, uh, I sat there patiently waiting for Everton and Digne points, for example. Everton had the best fixtures, and they had great fixtures up until game 14 yeah. But it never happened. Yeah. Whereas usually, staying patient. I think we've seen more of that in the second part of the season, but the first part, I think a lot of new players got a really good boost early on because they bought the players that did well the last week and they continued to do well pretty much any week
0: yeah i totally agree with that and everything you said anything to add to that doug i agree with that
2: i just want to bring up the wesley bandwagon that yes, wasn't a great one it
0: was it was i did Austin see Norwich. that one i just couldn't be bothered to list it <laughs> i was like oh, i didn't go for him so it wasn't a bandwagon for me
2: but no i, de- I definitely agree with Stefan. ashley barnes flirted with being a good option as well but yeah
0: yeah, it's true.
2: so many paid off yeah less defence was looking at their points per game for their prices yeah they, I think they were three of the top four defenders at that point by the end of the 15 game weeks yeah, so some highlights as well how badly Liverpool were doing that they weren't all in there instead
0: yeah I totally agree with all that in fact that kind of moves us nicely on to uh, headline number two then what volume of stats were a sure sign of future FPL points so I'm going to start from the strikers then So listing the strikers that were top at that particular time at game week 15 were Vardy was right at the top. Then it was Abraham, Rashford, Aubameyang, Pukki, Ings, Jimenez, Aguero, Firmino, Kane, Wilson. So if you go even further down you get to Morpé and Barnes. But kind of familiar names there as well. And if we're looking into the stats on these particular players i know that Vardi's xg was the highest during this period of uh, an xg of 10.69 and on- i think it's
1: i think it's just generally interesting to see we knew Vardi were overperforming and yet it was so tempting not to just jump on it because it felt like he scored on each and every shot and most of the guys, at least me and I think you, James, we were a bit late to the party. Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: And we got stuck there for like nine game weeks waiting for the inevitable he's going to score on every shot again. So maybe one season sometimes is enough to make people regress to the mean for for a lot of these stats. You can't maybe, you can't overperform your XG by a lot during a whole season.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if he was also overperforming his XG, but Cookie, this first few weeks of the season, it's like, you know, you know he can't sustain it, but when it's happening live, you just, you sort of, you yeah. lose all sense of rationality. You just think, maybe he can, you know, maybe he's just going to keep scoring all season.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, you were saying there with the stats on Vardy, just listing the particular shooting stats, he was 10th overall for shots for strikers, but it was his shots on target where he was top 23, just above abraham's 22 during that period and obviously he's highest for the x chief so he is one of those players which does just get into those positions so if he's frequently doing it it's when we need to start looking at him and like you said stefan we weren't because he wasn't majorly up there on the stats but he was still producing it looked like it was just going to carry on all season yeah
1: and they have another outlier for for Sterling with his assists. He had one assist yeah. on 5.41 expected assists. The, the thing about Wadi is it's a bit tough with him because uh, he takes the penalties and he seems to score every goal. I and mean, it's a myth that he is stat, he's a stats buster. Like like he's some sort of god that can outdo the stats in the long run. I don't yeah. think that's the case. Messi can outdo the stats. We know that. But the rest of the guys pretty much need to find themselves regressing to the mean some sometime, But Rashford was just uh, behind Vardy after the first 15 games, and he was barely talked about before the the Christmas period started. And I know his numbers were a bit inflated by the um, penalties, of course. He scored nine goals, whereas Vardia scored 14, but they have 0.8 difference in expected goals. So it, it just shows how... If you overperform a bit your expected stats, or you underperform slightly, we can spend hours and hours listening to podcasts and talking on podcasts about certain players who have just been four or five goals lucky over a period of 10 games, whereas we completely missed the trick on some of the underlying stats. And other plays that can do just as well and probably will do better if they have better fixtures than the guys who have already scored the goals.
0: Yeah, see, I agree with that, but he was second for uh, XG. Obviously, the penalties inflated that, uh, like you say, but again... His stats at that that point in the season, he was second to Jimenez for shots on goal with 48, also up there in terms of shots on target with 17. So he did have some some pretty good stats there. It was also four for yep. big chances total. So he did have some good stats. There's there's one here which is a little bit of an anomaly. Uh, I just um, have to
1: say, James, the thing on. I was trying to say, <laughs> maybe I didn't say correctly. the thing I was trying to say was we, we missed Rashford, even though we should have talked more about him. Yeah. He was a great option but we got blurred about other guys outperforming but, their stats.
0: But what I was saying is that we shouldn't have been blurred because if he did have the stats, he was he was right yep. up there. He was producing, and yep. I don't know how we didn't come see that at that point in the season. Also, just looking at I'm um, just looking back at the big chances created. Obviously, Vardy was top on twenty, but second in that list was Wood, but he wasn't getting as many points, etc. At that particular time in in the uh, season, not even in the top. 10 so that's where yeah maybe big chances can be misleading but I do think a collective looking at this this bunch which I've read off of Vardy, Abraham, Rashford, Aubameyang, Pukki, Ings they were all producing pretty good stats at that particular point so the stats do kind of match obviously Vardy's a little bit of anomaly because he was down in 10th place for shots but he was there for shots on target. So you've got to match up each stack against another as well. There is data to actually back up all of these players being up there.
2: I just think maybe we're looking too much at the players themselves and not the teams they're playing for. So Leic- Leicester and Chelsea at one point looked like you know they were going to somehow just hang with Man City for the whole season. So Abraham and Vardy were just profiting from that. Obviously, them those two players themselves played a big part, but the whole team just looked like they were going to outscore everyone at that time. Yeah, you know, that they were going to Kevin Keegan their way to they were just second place.
0: An unbelievable run, and they were just play- as I mentioned, they beat Southampton nine 0 and they just did look really, really good as a passing team. But yeah, um, let's. Well, I'm sort of
2: sorry, I'm sort of being a hypocrite there. of contradicting myself because Rashford Rashford was sort of carrying Man United at one point during that time you know the team was looking a bit a bit iffy the midfield wasn't really creating much for him but he was just winning a penalty out of nothing or just you know making something happen so yeah I'm contradicting myself there
0: <laughs> well it happens quite a lot on the FPL podcast don't don't you worry
1: yeah. we got to give a shout out to David McGoldrick by the way <laughs> yeah. had, do we he had the uh, yeah, he had, he had uh, almost five goals in XG during the first 15 games, zero goals, as we all know. And he was just behind guys like uh, Callum Wilson, Ings and Kane in the expected goals, but he still hasn't scored. And, so he's I mean, the extreme the outlier. Goals, yeah. yeah, this is 15 big chances and n- no goals, so he he's due. <sighs>
0: Yeah. It's very true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um let's move on to the midfielders then. So the top midfielders for that particular period was Mane, De Bruyne, Sterling was in the top 3 there, uh, David Silva, Madison, Son, Salah, Richarlison, Mount and Tillemans. So wow. Yeah, looking at the reflective stats on that Obviously, Mane's up there in terms of uh, shots, etc. You've got the Boino up there for creative stats and still shots. He was still producing there. Sterling's still again up there. Do notice that Sterling, nearly every single season, for involvement, he seems to be the only person that gets the most touches in the box. He always gets touches in the box, Sterling. The last three seasons that he is top for that frequently... Again, corresponding stats to reflect this, De Bruyne was, was top of big chances created. Mane, Son and Sterling were actually second, joint on seven, whereas De Bruyne had 14. So <clears throat> again, reflecting the stats to who were the midfielders. So what I'm kind of saying here is that whenever you're looking at the stats and you know which ones to look at, they do reflect quite a lot who actually do perform. So going back to kind of what the headline was, what volume of stats were a sure sign of future FPL points, and it is the traditional ones of big chances created, of shots on target, shots in the box, big chances total and touches in the box. They are the stats which are mainly kind of go by for these attacking players and they do correspond to FPL points. I agree.
2: Yeah. Uh, listeners, viewers, no. Listeners can't see this. But yeah, we've got the list up here. And yeah, there's a definite correlation there. I'd love to argue, but no, unfortunately, I can't yet.
1: Uh, I think the the thing for me is, we know these things, but so does the FPL Towers headquarters. <laughs> so they price the players yeah, in the courts. Yeah, it's not a big surprise that Mane, Salah and Sterling are doing great. Not even that Rashford and Wardy are doing good because they were priced at 9 million, both of them, right? At the start of the season, yeah. if I remember correctly. They're priced that way, so we still need to find whichever players outperform their price. Yeah. And that's a bit more tricky, of course. And mm. the, the thing you might get if you look at these stats is if you just put a team together with the clear value players in say Lundstrom Abraham Mason Mount for example early on Leicester defender those were pretty much obvious they they were good value and you you knew it they were wrongly priced you could say and other than that you could basically pick whoever you wanted from the higher brackets and expect points. The the big problem for a lot of people who went with Sterling was that he underperformed badly and some other players overperformed greatly. So uh, that's a bit of luck, I think. So the only player or team I can really look at that we might just push away stats and say okay stats say something but we need to look at the bigger picture and for example with Son and Spurs and Kane of course in the in the um, uh, along with Son both of them played on a team that was clearly struggling and I don't think the prices were correct correctly if you looked at how good or how bad the team was doing early on so those are the kinds of things you don't really read into the stats. You could see those, but you could say, okay, Kane has a low expected goals, but he will surely get more as the season progresses. But there was something about Spurs that was off, and maybe those are the things that the stats really don't reflect. And the thing we should look for and use more in our when we pick the uh, our teams. Yeah, I, what do you think about I, I, that?
0: I fully agree with you. My kind of point of listing the stats and knowing where you can refer to is that you are able to play this game in a different way to to some people as well there's not there's not only one route and if you are just following the stats like i have listed there are signs that you know that you are going to expect fpl points so if if you've not got time to watch all the games if you've not got time to pay attention to the news and stuff then this is a different selective method that you could use, or you can use this to go along with what you already know, what you've just listed as well in terms of those other things and those outside bodies and how players are actually getting on, how teams are doing, what form they're going for, etc. So this main part of the pod I was kind of listing as a, yeah, these are the reasons why they're doing well, because they are producing good stats,
2: yeah, but stats in in conjunction with—is that the right word? But stats alongside context. For example, Grealish. So Grealish, game weeks one to fifteen, he was actually above Mount, four point six points per game. So he'd probably make a dream team if you're making one, I thought he started getting better a bit later than that, but still four point six points per game. Uh, the context of him just when he moved to the left wing or left—I don't know what yeah. role you'd call it—sort of left of a front three. That just seems to completely unlock him, and sort of made a lot of his stats irrelevant before that
1: yeah, yeah. that's a great point and i think Good if you if you watch that game if, you, if even if you watched just the first game where he switched positions yeah but brighton d- yeah you wouldn't catch that if you just took a look at the stats for example because his shift was enormous and you could you could see it in how he played and how aston villa played yeah that he was uh you could ignore pretty much everything else and if the stats are going to make up and incorporate that switch, you need a lot of game weeks before you can be certain that something's happened. That's, that's a problem with stats, sort of say, in that manner. And also, when teams switch managers.
2: Mourinho yeah. had a little honeymoon period. It's easy to forget now, given what's happened to yeah. Spurs again since. But yeah, his first three games, they were scoring three a game.
1: Yeah, so Ali was yeah. flying, wasn't he? Yeah. Cool. But what game week did... Mourinho get in I don't remember it was, that. It
0: was literally the last game for we West Ham did. whenever that was I'm
1: checking, I think I'm it was, checking on yeah Jeffords it's, it's game 13 against West Ham United away and uh, yeah. instantly some just exploded versus West Ham and the same did Kane and Ali I think and then also game 14 was great for the Spurs guys and they hit a bump in game like 15 against United.
2: His three-year three, uh, honeymoon period turned into a three three-week yeah, but week
1: the, the thing about new manager bounce is that's real, I think. I think you can see players performing better and teams performing better those first few games after a manager is replaced.
2: Yep. So, yeah, Watford, a good example there. That yep. was... Eight. you said they were on 8 points I think you said after 15 games which yeah. is Derby 2011 standard there <laughs> yeah sure
0: yeah agree with all what you said there great points thanks I'm just going to move to the top defenders and top keepers then uh, for this particular period and I did note that going back to the stats again shots on target conceded Leicester Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City all in the bottom four there for that and then you move on to like the likes of XG and XG conceded and right at the bottom of that again is Leicester, Liverpool Man City and Chelsea so if you're looking at the players that have produced as well if you're thinking about threat and creativity. We know that Alexander-Arnold would have been top with the amount of chances he created, along with Robertson, etc. So top defenders for this period were actually Pereira, Lundström, Sionyu, Alexander-Arnold, Evans, Robertson, Chilwell, Van Dijk, Doherty and Dunk. So there is some correlation there. And then if you're looking at the keepers again, Schmeichel, Ryan, Patricio, Dubravka, Ramsdale, Pope, so he was up there, Henderson, Foster, Greater, Cruel, and Leno. So there are some reflections which you can kind of tell from the stats which do relate to FPL points. And I just hope that does get people thinking about what to, to look at in that aspect. Okay, going to move on to headline number three then. So, patterns from game 1 to 15. Looking at the patterns that you can create from maybe the likes of fixtures, teams with good fixtures. Now, I went through Stefan's planner and checked for teams with four or more red fixtures. The teams which I noticed were Man City, Spurs, Arsenal and Bournemouth. So, for players which are talismanic type figures, I see fixtures as a big influencer for choosing them in the first place. But I think you need to see fixtures as like an extender to what you expect the returns to be anyway. For example, Pookie and Cantwell, as mentioned earlier, they scored high against the tougher teams but both were scoring against the likes of Man City and Chelsea and Puki additionally against Liverpool Game Week 1 you need to get these players whilst they're in their purple patches as you mentioned before you need to grab those players whilst they're hot and this season has been a season which that's happened frequently I suppose the question is when do we know when they're going to have these purple patches or whether or not it's just going to be a few streaks and when they're due to blank like the likes of uh, Perez so Doug I'm going to come to you with that question when do you think we should be looking at players in their purple patches and what patterns from fixtures have you you noticed from that period?
2: This is an infuriatingly tough question, which is one of the beauties of it. Mm. You know, we've been playing this game for years and years and there's still no obvious answer but I'm a believer that fixtures... Create form and fixtures break form. So yeah, I'd say fixtures, but just a, t- a, t- a team that's gelling. I talked about Leicester earlier. You know, you could tell sort of a few games into that good winning run that just everything was clicking. No European distractions. Players were fresh. You know, they could outpass teams. They could outrun teams. So yeah, you just they had a good run of fixtures as well. I think at that point. I think yeah, when Vardy just went on just the most insane run.
0: Yeah, they had a few tough ones. I think four difficult fixtures. They had Chelsea, Man United, Tottenham and Liverpool and Arsenal during that period. But Arsenal wasn't really a tough pitch, fixture back then. <laughs> Probably still isn't. But yeah, they've obviously started on a, on a good run. And, That's um, funny actually haven't...
2: talking about Vardy. He went. He was historically sort of the anti-fixtures player, the anti-flat track bully. Yeah, and then he, he flipped it this season.
0: Yeah, it definitely did. Stefan, any thoughts on purple patches and how you can tell between the, the streaks and when they're due to blank?
1: The thing is, I, I spent a lot of time. We had a, the time from the release this season until the game actually started was close to a record-long patch, I think. It mm. was felt like a, several weeks and a lot of time to ponder. And I, when I was sat there looking at the fixtures, looking at the plans, looking at the planner, trying out different stuff, in my notes... Looking at these fixtures, it was pretty easy, and it was in my planner for a while. Game Week 7, Leicester, Vardy at home to Newcastle, captain. That seems obvious. And then, after that, they had Liverpool, but then they had Burnley, Southampton, Crystal Palace, Arsenal, Brighton. Good fixtures. It seemed decent to put him in there. And the other thing was Wolverhampton, they had a Europa League early on, stay away. But Game Week 9, Southampton at home, it was after the Man City game in Game Week 8. Put in Jimenez or Jota or whoever, who was a hot hot at that point in uh, in Wolverhampton. And it would have worked out. Th- those easy things, when you look at these th- things and just look at fixtures, looking at when to bring in players based on fixtures, when, when their fixtures turn, get the talismans from those teams and just plan with it and go with it. I think it more than often just works.
2: I think that Wolves and- example is perfect because, okay, he's not a talisman, but... Traore had the Man City game yeah. which he sort of announced himself so then you've got a player with form bit of confidence and the fixtures coming up it's just the perfect sort of marriage of you know why yeah. not okay you don't have that history of really trusting him you know he hasn't been doing it for a couple of seasons but what was price was five point something but yeah easy so, to say in hindsight that it works but yeah the clues were sort of there I guess.
1: And they have the same with Chelsea from game week seven they had some tough fixtures before that. But Gaming 7, it was Brighton, Southampton, Newcastle, Burnley, Watford, Crystal Palace. And I haven't checked exactly the points, but I guess if you check uh, Abraham or Mount or someone in that period... Yeah. Maybe even the defender, what's his name, Tomori, uh, who oh, yeah. was hot at that, that Forgotten time. Forgotten man, yeah. Yeah, so sometimes I think we just overcomplicate it. We spend all summer planning and we look at the fixtures and we have this certain, at least for me, I have these certain points where I think, okay, a game like this, I'm going to bring in some sort of Leicester player and some sort of Liverpool player, some sort of whatever. But then the season starts, you Things get change. burned by a couple of players. Yeah. Like, for my example again, I went for Jota as my 6.5 million Forward, because I felt like Ah Jota. I liked him in the spring season, but the fixtures were tough. Wolves didn't impress. Jota looked tired, and I sort of kept that in my mind for too long. I was resentful for picking Jota and going with Wolves. So when when they won against Manchester City and they had these great fixtures afterward. I was just like blind to actually admitting that Wolves were now the team to go for because I was burned and I thought, oh, all this stuff happened, these noisy things, but scratch all that and go back to my preseason plans, get in the players that you should get in in that game week, things would have been fine. So I think it's um, next season, I think I'm going to take note of some of my pre-season plans and ask myself during the season, okay, this is what I thought. When to get these certain type of players and why don't i do this now what's the good reason for jumping on other plans
0: yeah so it's sticking to your original plan it's a good piece of advice there because i do see it myself as well when you go through the season that you've you've planned something out and you know someone's got good fixtures or you know that they're going to be hitting good fixtures eventually and you're thinking right i'll bring them in then and then you don't do it and you truly regret it that's the worst feeling when uh, you know that they're going to score points as well so yeah, sticking to a plan is kind of a, a bit of advice there. So let's move on to the next headline. Uh, what affects form then? So few things which I listed here is personal things like babies, marriage, being robbed, the Arsenal players at the start of the season, (laughs) injuries, obviously, which teams they've played against, I think, can be a factor. The amount of games they've actually played and how tired they are. Obviously, their league position, Watford were right down there at the time. European and Cup games, obviously. Anything else that you guys reckon comes into form that affects form? Stefan, I'll come to you first on this one. Did you mention the new manager bounce? No, I didn't mention that. But yeah, no, think, yeah, great point.
1: That's, that's, a, that's a point I would like to add, but you, you had them pretty much covered, I think, uh, the rest of them.
0: I suppose all these factors which should be considered when it comes to your FPL decisions, but then is it overthinking? Like, are you overthinking every single thing? It's based on what are facts. That's why I, I listed those stats quite profusely earlier, because... They are facts, those stats, and it's easier to make yeah. your decisions based on that than all these different things. Anything which you think you can add to that one, Doug, or any comments on that one?
2: I just think it's funny. We, we can forget everything we already knew in two weeks. Two game weeks is all it takes. Sometimes it's it's good to just almost slap yourself in the face and go back to what did I think pre-season? Because most of the time, you, unless it's a player new to the league or yeah, like a completely different manager... You know who the good players are going to be. You know which teams are going to yeah. s- score more than others. You know who's on penalties. You know who's going to probably play the most minutes. And, yeah, we just sort of spend a lot of the season unlearning things that we, we spend years sort of learning before that. Yeah. <laughs> Normally to our detriment.
1: Yeah. I think think also we have a big list about what we as persons think, f- think affects form because we have, like, a big list of biases which clouds our decisions. So Yeah. When we judge whoever is in form or out of form, we're pretty much clouded by our own bad judgment in in lots of cases. And and that makes it tough because people... I've been wrong a lot of times this season saying those guys are out of form, he is in form, and I think it's very hard to call form or not form and what that really is. So it's maybe better to just put... A lot of those discussions just outside your own mental sphere and use like Hmm. stats and forecast, predicted points, for example. For example,
0: Mikael Tokvam's algorithm. Yeah,
1: I know, which takes the bias pretty much out of it. Because I found myself struggling and arguing, for example, uh, Mikael's numbers a lot of times this season, saying, why the hell does he keep Martial on top for midfielders? (laughs) What the hell (laughs) is he He's not that good of a player. He doesn't realize it. He, he, he shouldn't be there. Injured, yeah. And and I remember he recommended you to bring in Pookie basically every game week for the first fifteen <laughs> game weeks, <Yeah. laughs> even though even though when Norwich were out of form, we thought they were out of form and they were out of form. They were losing games, but still Pookie came good. Just. Uh, I'm not sure he came good by game like 15, but he came good again somewhere down the line, and he. I think he did. Cheap. He had his
2: little after-party.
1: He had three yeah, returns yeah. in
2: a row. I think it was just 13, 14, 15. I think.
1: Yeah, but time. but but by that time he was so out of form nobody even cared anymore. Yeah, exactly. But but what's form again then? Because the, you could basically know that he will score goals. He's Pookie. <laughs> he yeah. scores goals.
0: But he's it's been blanking form. for the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> six games. Yes, yeah, so and know he's
1: back. He's back out of form. But the thing is, he's six point five million, and yep. he has three points less than Firmino at nine point five, and he has seven Balling. points less than Rashford, which of course have been out for a few games. But and he's more points than Aguero, more points than Calvert-Lewin, sixteen points more than Calvert-Lewin. So we can sit there and judge and discuss whatever. But the thing is. These are facts and these are you can't take the game week history away from him and we have played thirty game weeks now, so it's not a fluke either. Pookie you you is, just
2: mentioned Firmino there. So talking about yeah. patterns, Firmino's home and away split is just it's absurd and it's carried yeah. on for thirty game weeks now and as weird as it as illogical as it sounds, I wish I did understand why or it's it's, it's something to act on, I think. At yeah, least I the rest don't of think season. So.
1: I don't think so. He still, not? I think I think it's just completely by accident, and maybe a bit in his own head. Maybe he feel, maybe he does something too much or too little at home at this point. He scored at That's home the in the Champions factor. League.
0: So. Yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> okay. no. There's also Salah the other way around, isn't it?
1: So, yeah, yeah, but last season Mane didn't score away and so yeah. this season he, he's the one to get because he scores good away. So those things I think are just noise. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, but I, but I shouldn't, the, I
2: shouldn't think, admit this, but I go with them for a season then I'm happy to just completely ignore them the season after.
1: So, yeah. My but, point would be yeah. more get Pookie, game one or some game week two when he scores that goal against Liverpool and looks great and just keep him. And if you kept him, I think he would have done pretty good at this point.
0: Great advice there. I think that wraps that one up for now. So let's move on to the last headline then. So dream teams from one to 15. Now, I haven't done much work on this one, but I know that you have, Doug. Can I I'd pass look. this one over to you?
2: Yeah. So I don't know about our squad, but 11, not just going to say points per game. That's not exactly enlightening anyone. But yeah, I assu- I assumed without looking, Henderson would be the best keeper Points per game, but I think Ryan Ryan was ahead of him, so that's really flipped now. But I wanted to mention mention Tim Crow here. So yeah. A Norwich defender is sort of blasphemy if you say you've got a Norwich defender or a Norwich keeper. But if you had the two Norwich keepers for was it nine point five for the pair? No no decision to make every week. Just play them. You somehow would have got 4.13 points per game from Krull and gone, it's,
1: it's McGovern. McGowan. M- McGovern, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Admittedly, it was penalty saves, a lot of it. Can't really predict, but I
1: just... Yeah, McGovern got nine points in a 1-5 loss against Nesta yeah. Villa. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was insane. Because yeah, I, actually, I actually had him that game week. I had him and Pope. Pope, I think they won 1-0, and McGovern lost 5-1, and I made the wrong decision to play Pope. Just okay. what can you do? But no, I just want to say that that sort of highlights that keepers uh, just... Yeah, keepers... We, oh, talking about overthinking, maybe just pick a four-five keep, 4.5 keeper and Go just with stick with the them, season. I don't
0: know. Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. when people were removing Pope and then he suddenly yeah. became top of the goalkeepers and, were, and now yeah. everyone wants Guilty him. There. It's like, if you do just grab a, a keeper and keep it for the rest of the season, it will work out okay in the long run. And they don't score... Loads and loads of points every week. Obviously, you get the, the odd 10 and the odd 12, etc. And when cruel saves a penalty, you get 11. <laughs> but it's not often they score big often. You know what I mean? So... You can yep. always gain those points back in the long run from if you just pick a decent, you know, middling team. I mean, obviously Norwich's not a middling team or bottom team, but if you go for a middling team, you you're always hoping for those clean sheets. So there's that psychological factor of you not wanting to remove them each week, and eventually they will come to to the mean and be around the same points anyway.
2: Because I've always, I've never chased saves for keepers I've always thought clean sheets clean sheets clean sheets you know a clean sheet's worth 12 saves yeah. but this yeah the fact that I don't know how many clean sheets Norwich had but it can't be more than two or three in that period and there's Krull sitting ahead of Henderson yeah. Sheffield United it's just, like, just wasting our time.
0: Yeah, and you, you look at the, the total points. Pope at the moment, so coming up to this game, so avoiding game, it was uh, 115 at the moment. So Pope is currently on 128. And then Henderson's 122. Again, the rest of the keeper's not that far behind. Schmeichel, 119, Dubravka... 118 Guaita, 116 the same as Patricio. So there's not a massive points difference between all of them. And, yeah. Yeah, if you're looking at those keepers there, it's only Pope, the one that started at 4.5. The I rest they... all started around 5 mil or above. So, I so it was you're... only
2: Guaita that was 5 and the rest 4.5.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the, as in, like, the ones which I've just listed there. Henderson started at... Well, what, what did he start four at? 4.5. Oh, he four did, five. yeah. That's right. Wow, he's yeah. gone up to 5.2 now. That's quite an increase. Because right, he gets um, assists. Yeah, there yeah, you
2: go. True. Okay, some defence. Pereira. And that that's another one. Okay, everyone was on Dean, Luke, or Dean, pre-season. But Pereira, you know, we know he's an attacking threat. I guess the unknown was Leicester under Rodgers. But, yeah, Pereira, I wasn't too shocked that he's... Okay, maybe a bit surprised he was top, but, you know, I think that's money well spent. Pereira, Lundström, hates to say his name, but mm-hmm. just incredible. And Soyuncu, the 4.5, yeah, I guess he was priced before Maguire left, but yeah, bit of a gift. And yeah, honourable mention to Evans. He was 5.0, I think, as opposed to 4.5, but yeah, 4.5 points per game, pretty much. Midfield, again, I'm going over what was said before, but yeah, Mane, I think Mane, what stood out with him is, the, the debate about Mane and Salah used to be, can Mané be better value than Salah? So it was sort of not admitting that he wouldn't score as many points as Salah, but it was sort of saying yeah, he's probably not going to, but for the two million less or whatever it is this season, is he going to be better value? But no, this season, he changed that equation to just being better than Salah full stop, yeah, at for
1: least reason.
2: for the first half of the season, yeah. which yeah, yes, took me Salah by surprise.
1: Salah struggled with his injury in this part That's of true. the season. He got injured versus Leicester That's, in yeah. the game week. What was that, Eight? Game week eight. Yeah, I tried to play through which Yeah, ever it since that, he struggled. So I think that maybe skews the numbers a bit towards Mane. But the, the thing about Mane for me, and I was one of those guys who thought, okay, Mane, he's better valued than Salah. I'm switching on my Game Week 3 wildcard. But the problem I find myself with was, whereas I would auto-captain Salah for some games, I struggled with captaining Mane. It just yeah, I can see was that. that little extra doubt in my mind. Hmm. Made me go with the more secure Sterling, for example, rather than money. So it's some again, some bias at the, for my part. It's, I think, we used so used to captaining Salah that captaining money just
0: seemed a little strange. I agree, yeah. Seems a streaky player, but he, he's very consistent,
2: yeah. But yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I, I never had money this season, but yeah. I think I would have been the same. There's something weird about it because, for example, it's probably like, okay, this isn't as good an example. It's across different positions, but I find it much more difficult to captain De Bruyne over Aguero, for example. Aguero yeah. just happily do it. And yeah, there's an extra layer of doubt for De Bruyne, even though you're thinking that in the first place because De Bruyne's been sort of outperforming him this season.
0: Yeah.
2: And yeah, so midfielders, KDB has mentioned. Madison, 5.5 points per game in this period,
0: he was consistent at that point in the season,
2: it was forgot just how good he was, mm. and yeah, maybe that's another point about the team as well. Less how on fire Leicester were. And David's David, David Silver's another one in that group of 5.5 points per game. So this is even with all those one point sub cameos, 5.5 points per game. I think he was 7.5 start of the season,
0: yeah, gone down to Comple- 7.3 now,
2: yeah. yeah, completely get why no one would have actually got those points, but yeah, 5.5 points per game. And yeah, Todd Cantwell, almost at four points per game. Just the 4.5 player that we needed came about just at the right time. Completely unknown player going into the season. i like, barely even heard his name. And yeah, the few people that... So you watched that Liverpool game, in game week one, looking for your Liverpool players to do stuff. A few people actually picked out Cantwell and had him for that Newcastle game in game week two.
0: Amazing, so yeah. Amazing pick. Yeah.
2: Two assists for Pookie's hat-trick. And yeah, I think 10 points for a 4.5 player. And yeah, he just went from strength to strength. Had a little blip. I think he got dropped for a few weeks when that guy... What's he called? Hernandez? Ono Hernandez came yeah. in. But yeah, now he's... Okay, he's not back, but he's got the odd 10-pointer. And again, for his price, one goal in five, you'd take that for a 4.5 guy.
1: Yeah, he's like eight points behind Traore for the season. Surprise! So, yeah. Yeah. Go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I
2: actually thought... I thought Kentwell might be ahead of him, actually. But yeah, fair enough. That shows how well Traore done recently. Well, until, until he got... Sort of benched yeah. until he dislocated his shoulder for the sixth time or whatever that's, it is now. Yeah. <laughs> Action man, just have to keep popping it back in.
0: Mm. So you got the uh you got the strikers to this there for the last, yep. last three. Again,
2: it's it's just what we know. Vardy, just five double figure scores, including a twenty point in ten game weeks. That's that's almost unheard of. That's sort of Suarez at his peak, Van Persie at his peak. And yeah, more more attacking returns than game weeks. Which for me is sort of the—that's how you justify a twelve million price tag. For example, just add up goals and assists. Is it more than game weeks, and you're worth twelve million? And yeah, Vardy did that.
0: It'll be interesting to see what his price will be next season, actually, because he has obviously tailed off uh, towards the end of this due to you know, many reasons. But the you know, baby—it's yeah. my favourite baby. favourite
2: player this season. Vardy's baby. <laughs> yeah. I've never owned him this season. favourite I think
1: what. Vardy is maybe done as an FBL asset after this season is my prediction. is oh, cool get, getting old. And uh, you can see it with his injuries now. The complete liar, liar type character in Rodgers. It's uh, <laughs>
0: it's,
1: uh, it's not a great combination. A guy that gets these small injuries all the time.
2: Especially for an explosive sort pace player like him to be honest he's done well to if if it is his last sort of proper season he's done well to extend it this
1: long yeah i think he will play of course still but i think as a fantasy asset he will be priced doing what he did this season and i can't imagine him doing that again anytime in his career but we'll see i can see
2: that definitely and yeah tammy abraham 6.79 points per game for a seven mil price tag just sort of forgot just how good that was. You had so to jump one, on what,
0: him early, didn't
2: he? Yeah, because he had that three thirteen 13-pointers in a row or something?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he scored he scored uh, s- uh, seven goals in game three, four, and five combined. Just insane. But
2: I was impressed with his as assist this season. I, I thought I always had him down as... A guy, he'll score 15 goals a season, but just with no assists. So he might struggle for a bonus, but he chipped in with assists. So,
1: yeah, who knows what will happen with him. He's another one of those guys that uh, he played. He started the first game week, but he got yanked earlier versus United. And then he got benched the second game week. And then by the time he hit Norwich in game week three, he scored a couple of goals. If he were a knee-jerk kind of guy and just got him in you would have gotten five goals over the next two games. Whereas a more traditional manager like myself, I was waiting to see if he really nailed that starting spot. But then it was pretty much already too late.
2: I'll hold my hands up and say I thought it was a trap. I thought it was just against Norwich, (laughs) a brace is going to happen. Yeah, he completely nailed. Then he played sort of every minute for the next... 10 plus games and he's yeah. another one how are they going to price him next season yeah, given the, the you know NFL season NFL. of two halves yeah
0: another difficult one for FBL house
1: And he's a he's an interesting one for uh if we get this game going again because he has some great fixtures until the end of the season talking about the same things we talked about earlier in the pod he should be a guy you should just bring in when healthy i think yeah. giving easy fixtures but we'll we have to see how that works out.
2: Giroud has complicated
1: it. I, yeah, that's true. That's true. So They look
2: good. so well gelled at the moment. But yeah, it's, it's, I think Chelsea players, yeah, they're saying as if the season's going to come back in one month. Okay. But fingers crossed. But yeah, Chelsea players, I definitely agree with that if yeah. and when it comes back. And so last, last striker squad of the season, team of the season, it, it's pooky Just for the memes, just for that, unless you've got epilepsy, (laughs) then even with his big droughts after the initial explosion, 4 point, sorry, 5.47 points per game for 6.5 mil. Sen sassiomainen. It's finished sensational. Probably said it wrong, but yeah. (laughs)
0: Nice nice so that's our that's our dream team for game weeks one to 15 well listed there doug i think we're gonna move off for the ice man's piss break now so we will be right back And welcome back from the Iceman's Piss Break. Uh, We have got quite a long pod now and we did have a few questions so apologies for any questions we actually don't get to but we're just going to go through I think three now and then we're going to move on to the Iceman's Quiz. Uh, So we have one here from Tom Campbell at Utley TC. Obviously a regular on the pod. Thank you Tom for your question. So he has put Doug's the man. Nobody follows the subtext as brilliantly as him. You have to talk us through that Doug. Uh, He's excited for So he's got a question for Doug. Are we allowed to answer this too, Tom? I hope we can. Uh, So he said, pick one of goalkeeper, defender, midfielder, forward who would be in your all-time favourite FPL squad. Now, Doug, going to come to you first. And then me and Stefan are just going to list ours afterwards.
2: First, I just want to say, well done, Tom, getting married in Italy last year. I'm not having the same luck, unfortunately. Uh, Right, goalkeeper... I went for Michel Vorm, oh, t- 2011-12 season. He started at four million. He got 14 clean sheets, two penalty saves, and that was with the old bonus system. So his, I think, 158 points would have been much, much higher these days. You know, back back then, a keeper could keep a clean sheet, save That's a penalty, great show. Great show. find the cure for coronavirus at halftime, and still only get one bonus.
1: <laughs> someone like
2: Richard Dunn made 12 clearances or something pointless. Oh. Okay, defense. Taa is an obvious answer. Baines, I know a lot of people have soft oh, spots for him. Well. Maybe Ivanovic too. But I went for Gareth Bale when he was a defender. Oh,
0: good shout.
2: Just because he, he broke down that barrier of you can't captain a defender. He broke that. He opened up a new world. of a new world. Yeah, it's probably old people listening to this now thinking, what about, <laughs> Steve, what about Steve Watson 20 years ago or whatever?
0: Bruce United, <laughs> he was a goal scorer.
2: Midfield, I went for Clint Dempsey. Just... I guess it's personal to everyone, but whenever I needed him to do something, he was cheap and he did it simple as that. And just, yeah, massive spot, soft spot for Clint Dempsey. He once actually hit over 200 points
0: Yeah. and he FPL still Mitchell. was only 8.5. At, at Tottenham and at uh, Fulham.
2: Yeah, can't remember his time. At Tottenham as well, but yeah, at Fulham, just what a player. Uh, up front, Robin Van Persie. Oh, nothing, oh I've taken him. <laughs> yeah, nothing creative, just... I think it's the perfect marriage of... So he was my favourite player in real life at the time. Real life, as if FPL is make-believe. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just favourite player in FPL, favourite player. Watching penalties, free kicks, corners, assists, goals. Just, yeah, He perfect.
0: was a- auto-captain, wasn't
2: he? Yeah. Oh, good, and good it's nice, so I, I always hated owning Suarez, for example, but you had to. But when it's someone you absolutely love as well, and you can have him in your team and just captain him, just an absolute pleasure. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, Robin.
0: Good that. Go on then, Stefan, give us yours.
1: Well, the goalkeeper is... Uh, first of all, I feel young listening to this. Mike Michel <coughs> Worm and Bale as a defender. I think I don't think I ever remember... When was that, Bale as a defender? 2010, 2011. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I didn't even play then, so I'm excused. <laughs> I have no clue about this old name, so I'm going to go with the more recent names. Um, it's The goalkeeper is tough, but... I remember, I don't think I actually captained him, but I figured, I remember I hated those who captained the Gea when he got a double game week and he got clean sheet against Burnley or something and then went to the Etihad and made like 1 million saves and held a clean sheet there as well Hmm. and had some epic double game week. So I'll go with the Gea, and Alonso is my favorite defender. I just love watching him play and still, and I uh, was very tempted to bring him back on my wild card. just now. He's just a great player to have, and he can score from pretty much anywhere. Yaya Torre as my midfielder, he he seemed to always score, even though we, I don't remember how many goals he scored that season. Was it 20 or something? I think
2: he got to 20, yeah.
1: Yeah, some insane number for a man that's it didn't look like a goal scorer really, but he scored the goals. And and the striker was same reason as for you with Van Persie, but for me, especially given my struggles with captaincy this year, just captaining Suarez each and every game week was a delight, and I wish I could have someone like that this season also to take the pain away. <laughs>
0: Some great shouts there as well, yeah. It's enjoyable to hear who you're thinking of, of uh, all the, your all time favourites. So I, I had some similar to you, Doug. Uh, mine was uh, Van Persie up top, just because I'm an Arsenal fan and he was my auto captain. Him and
2: Cesc, those were the days. Yeah, they were brilliant.
0: I did have Ronaldo midfield, and I just thought that's too easier option. And I thought Mares that season with Leicester, was just the best option at the price he was and just he was returning constantly and then yeah as you mentioned i had baines at the back because penalties <laughs> defender on penalties like richie is this season is a great option and keeper i really kind of struggled here I wasn't anyone i was truly happy with and then i went back to the days of tim howard and i just remember when he scored yeah, yeah when he scored and i just thought I, I think i had him at that particular point so he it would be him for me so I hope that wraps up your question nicely there, Good Tom. shout.
2: The American audience will be loving that. Yeah. Dempsey and Howard. Yeah,
0: they will. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Right, so we're going to answer two more questions now, both from Mark at Bison 22 So he's saying, according to Doug, who has been the three best players for bonus points so far this season and why? So, Doug, you can answer this one.
2: Uh, Matt Ryan, just because he's found a loophole in the system. So if he get he keeps getting to thirty passes at more than seventy seventy percent accuracy, which gets you BPS.
0: Yeah, but so it's something, something. Stefan shouted a while back and brought him in, and he's just not been delivering for him since. <laughs> well, <laughs> but this
2: this previous game we actually it, it got him the one bonus.
0: Yeah, true.
1: Guess, guess which uh, keeper I sold on my wildcard after waiting six, seven weeks for <laughs> that clinch. It was Ryan I sold, so I had him for all his blanks. I
2: mean, you were right to sell him. He was yeah, yeah, yeah. depressing to own, so yeah, I've had him all that time. Uh, Aubameyang, I'd say, is one of the best players for bonus, just because it's more than what he highlights the theme, just goal scorers in dodgy defenses. And that's a question, I guess, for next season. Are they now a fixed defense under Arteta, which would... Be quite a dent in Bamiyang's appeal.
1: Yeah.
2: He's sort of a player I think people are reluctant to own in a weird way. So that could be a good excuse not to own him. If he stops just getting three bonus every time he gets a goal. See other players. Goals in dodgy defences. Pookie's a great one. He, he's yet to to score a goal this season and not get bonus with it, for example. Uh, third player I got is a bit more under the radar. Is it Yao Moutinho? Moutinho at Wolves. So he's fourth amongst mids for BPS. And that's with just one goal and seven assists. Hmm. No, For no, me, no. he he can get he can get bonus of just an assist, which is very very rare. Uh, on the eight occasions he did score assists, only two times he missed out on getting bonus as well. Was when he got booked in those games as well.
0: Yes, so, three, three,
2: great. <laughs> not the most great. riveting, but well, yeah, it's, it's those are my three. Right?
0: Yeah. And it's I'd, an I'd, interesting question.
1: I'd I'd like to throw throw in Pope there as well because yeah, he he still gets the he gets like barely gets. BPS, But he always gets enough because the rest of the burner defenders, they get yellow carded and they never get to 30 passes because all they do is just hold that ball up and hope it hits something. They never do any passes from each other back in the defense to accumulate those passes. So Pope can get three bonus with like 22 BPS. It's really annoying when you sold him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He keeps showing up. So he's a great one as well.
0: Yeah and obviously shout out to TAA who is top of the BPS yep. uh, at the moment so uh, yeah he's, you can name all the reasons why that he gets him but yeah everyone knows why he's just one of the best defenders to have that I haven't had all season which is great. Yeah so thank you again for What? Uh, all season? All season.
1: <laughs> oh god. I know. <laughs> What is the reason, where I am? Yeah. Yeah, a reason yeah there's oh the no. reason I come. thought you sold him somewhere down the line but you never owned him No, never oh yeah,
0: they'll keep that one on the low down yeah. Um, releasing to a podcast to thousands of people great so yeah <laughs> thank you to mark again for that question also thank you to mark for just pointing out that i needed to get doug on the podcast which i was due to do at some point i just completely forgot about you doug but yeah, thanks for mark he's
2: my unofficial agent yeah
0: he is <laughs> so he had a last question here so which fpl player has surprised you the most this season so Make it easy for me, it's going to be Lundström, the £4 midfielder slash defender, who I never had at the start and I had to buy him for an increased price, but I still did buy him. What about you, Doug? Who would your player be?
2: So my surprise of the season is, unlike Lundström, it's for the wrong reasons. It's Gylfi Sigurdsson. Mm. So this is a guy consistent yeah. every season. He's, ba- he's basically royalty. And yeah, he's normally a steady, reliable point-churner. But yeah, this season, after 29 game weeks... One goal and three assists, and he's played both of the games. and here's a stat just to really ram it home. He's a point behind Dendonka. <laughs> which, wow. that, that's thats offensive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he could have been—he could have been my favorite player from his Swansea days. Yeah, he was that's so, so reliable.
2: That's why it was a big surprise because normally yeah. he's just yeah, he's he's normally so reliable. What,
1: what I was going—I was—I was, you, I was going to great—I yeah, was going to great lengths trying to fit Sigurdsson in, in my game with one team. I couldn't do it, but it, if I had a half a million extra, I would have gotten him instead of Fraser. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was close to jumping on the Sigurdsson train, but for me. Yeah, the, for me the biggest uh, surprise has to be Lundstrom. Yeah, I know he, he's uh, yeah, he's just a chapter you could write a book about Lundstrom, and you still wonder why did they classify him as a defender? Has a big, uh, been a bigger mistake? Talk about, make, yeah, talk about yeah, talk about making a template. It's uh, it's of course not good for the game. <laughs> that yeah. that is I so, agree. I agree, so I cheap and yeah, he yeah, didn't.
0: <laughs> what are we doing, James? Uh, uh, have have just, you been just? Let, let's not go there. Let's
1: uh, let's move it on, shall we? To we, we we were supposed to talk about the first fifteen game weeks. So you you, di- you didn't own Lundström. So it's uh,
2: I've never owned part well. of the fifty. Bit of support what? for James. I've never owned him.
0: I, I did. I did eventually own him. I'm just not quite sure which gaming that was. Uh, I, <laughs> I did eventually own him, but just at an, an increased price. But let's let's move on to what people are here for. What people are looking forward to. The Iceman's quiz is back. So we're only looking through game weeks one to 15. Okay, so first question of the Iceman's quiz. So we all know that who has got the most crosses of the ball, or who would have that? It would be Trent Alexander-Arnold, but who had the second most amount of crosses from game weeks one to 15? So Doug, I'm gonna come to you first on this one.
2: Massive blank. Um, I'm thinking of just defenders because of Trent. Most crosses. I'm just gonna. It's probably wrong. I'm gonna say Lucas. Luca Dean. Dean
0: and. Uh, oh God sure damn, I
1: was supposed to answer the same. same. Uh, because because everyone kept cheering me up on our own thing, and they said, "Oh, he has a lot of crosses." <laughs> so, uh, but if it wasn't him, um, uh, I need to pick someone else. I guess that leaves me at the blank.
0: <laughs> 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 I was all set. Uh, Chilwell. I'll go for Chilwell. And you're both incorrect. Luca Dean was actually third in that list. Oh. It was De Bruyne coming in at 143 crosses. Never heard of him. (laughs) Alexander Arnold. I was looking at defenders. (laughs) I didn't say defenders. I just said. Uh, Yeah, I fought defenders. (laughs) No no points for De Bruyne. Yeah. Uh, okay, question two then: Which team created the least amount of big chances through that period of one to fifteen? Stefan, I'm going to come to you first.
1: I'm going to go with
0: Sheffield oh, United. <laughs> <A> big whistle. <laughs> Sheffield United. Okay, and Doug. I can't even think of teams. <laughs> Forgot who <laughs> plays in the there Premier are, League. There are teams in the Premiership. Shrewsbury. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, man. Uh, Crystal Palace,
0: I guess. Great shout. Doug is first on the scoreboard. So one point to Doug there. It's Crystal Palace. Big chances total. So for a bonus point, and then come for this question, how many chances do you think they actually created? Now, I'm going to come back to you, Stefan. 28. 28. And uh, this is a point for whoever gets the closest. So, Doug?
2: I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm going to actually go for it. I was actually going to say five, but um, t- 28 is a bit... Uh, I guess penalties count as big chances. I'll say 12.
0: And Doug is the winner there because it's 16. No. So oh. two points to Doug there. Lagging behind, Stefan. Up your game. Yeah. Question yeah. number three. So who won the most aerial jewels throughout game weeks 1 to 15? Now, Doug, going to come to you first? Uh, I
2: don't know if he played enough. But... And
0: if you get... Uh, I'm giving you a point here if you get any in the top six.
2: This is going to look dumb. It's probably defender. I'm still going to go with it. Is it Haller?
0: And Stefan, what's your
1: answer? Top six. You've got to imagine Van Dijk being in top
0: six, even though he plays for Liverpool. Yeah. Okay, I'm going Van Dijk. I was, I was rather lenient there because Doug actually got it nailed on with Haller right at the top there on 88. What? And Van Dyke is second on 82. But I'm going to give you a point each. People may qualm about that one. That's a great shout <laughs> to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a great shout. Yeah, yeah, I thought
2: it was going to be five defenders top five. Yeah. You were going to reveal. The, the, the other ones yeah, were
0: Joe Linton, Tarkovsky, me, O'Connell and Maguire are up there, all up there. Question number four. Then, which team had highest shot accuracy? Stefan. Meaning a
1: shot, meaning a shot that goes in goal, that uh, goes on or target, on target. Yeah. So, Stefan, coming to um, you first. I'm gonna go. And I'm gonna give eight. you.
0: A, I'm gonna give you a point here if you get any in the top three. Which team? Yeah.
1: I'm gonna go Burnley.
0: And Doug. Oh, this could be any. This could
2: be Liverpool or Watford in twentieth. Like. Uh,
0: yeah, you're right. <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> I'm going to say a team. Um, let's say, who doesn't have greedy players? I'm actually going to say Crystal Palace again. Just
0: Okay, you're both incorrect on that. They're not even in the top six. So the order actually <laughs> goes West Ham was top. Then it was Aston Villa. Then Liverpool, United, <laughs> Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester. So interesting on that one. No points. So it's still 3-1 to Doug. Question number five, who had the most yellow cards in this period? And there are two, so I'll give you... Players? Yeah, players. There are two, so I'll give you a point for each. Uh, Doug, going to come to you first? I swear there's someone
2: who got the 10.
1: Don't
0: say Um, (laughs) my Please, this time.
2: (laughs) The guy, what's his name, at Bournemouth? Jefferson. No! Is that yours? (laughs)
1: Okay, I'll try to figure out the other one. Oh you
0: can lose two, Doug.
2: (laughs) I was going to say him or Lewis Dunk, but yeah, I don't think he got to ten Dunk.
0: Okay, and uh, Stefan?
1: Well, I was all set for Lerma, but other than that, who is there? Might there be... No, No, I'm just looking at player names because I I, I can't remember all these names. Where's Lee (laughs) Catamore
2: when you need him? I'll go...
1: It's Dale Stevens. I'll go with Dale Stevens.
0: Uh, incorrect for Stevens, but you're both correct for, You're both correct team. for yeah. Yeah. and Milivojevic. <laughs> Milivojevic. <laughs> <laughs> Milivojevic. <laughs> That's a good practice for his name, Milly from Crystal Palace. Both on seven, a uh, point yeah. each there, so four two now.
2: I'm basically winning because you let me go first on the right <laughs> questions.
0: <laughs> <laughs> question, question six then: Which team had the most attempts from set plays? Now, Stefan, going to come to you first. Liverpool and Duck what,
2: what, what does that mean attempts from set play so
0: could mean headers he- at the end of it could or mean a shot. header at the end I don't know I'm just going from Opta so it could mean a header at the end of so it so shots it on goal shot.
2: from a set play or results from a set play Jesus yep. which team are the most attempts from set plays um, he's got a lot of giants Everton
0: oh Doug is really good at this game. <laughs> <laughs> Another point for Doug. Yeah, Everton on seventy-seven. Man City clo- uh, close behind on seventy-three. Then Bournemouth, Liverpool, Burnley, Arsenal, Southampton, Chelsea. So oh. five-two in the scoring at the oh, moment. Stefan, you really need to. Good thing they are letting the guests just shine. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Good- yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> Question seven: Which player had the most? Bad touches, other than <laughs> flapjacks, Flatio, from game weeks one to fifteen. So, Doug, most bad wait, touches. Wait. Now, don't ask me what that is. Don't ask me. What does that mean? Because we, we're getting going... back to the tricks. Yeah, man, the tricks <laughs> from last season. Last season, <laughs> yeah, the most tricks. tricks. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny one as well. Yeah. So, uh, Doug, uh, bad touches.
2: Uh, I don't know what that means. I'm just going to say Wesley. Wesley, Aston Villa.
0: Okay, and uh, Stefan. I'm, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you, Stefan, because I'm, I really want you to get a point. Who is the worst player in the Premier League at the moment?
1: Okay, how's that That's supposed to help me? We'll help you. Yeah. You mean you mean I'm going to just look at my team and find the player? No, 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 no. It's not it's He, he, he
0: would never be in your team. The worst
1: player in the or program. she or she yes. don't help him don't yeah. help him yeah. too much <laughs>
0: he
1: can be the worst
0: <laughs> player the now, apologies but yeah you know, he is lagging behind I want to make him more interesting
1: but the, the thing is it doesn't help me at all because you have like 300 players and picking the worst of them is just, uh, <laughs> just he, he's the worst a, a player by question.
0: far by far
1: um, I'm stuck now <laughs> You're going to need to cut this out because I'm, I'm <laughs> going to spend like 30 seconds thinking okay, about him. Little... Okay, I'm going to go with Wilfrid Saha.
0: Ah, Saha. Close, but no cigar. I'm going to, going to pass this over to Doug again. See if you can get it. No point,
2: though. Worst, oh, Jesse Lingard. Lingard. He's a four. Yeah, he's the worst player. <laughs> that is a good shout
0: for worst player. But the worst player who consistently plays, in my opinion, is Joe Linton. Jesus Christ. Actually, yeah, that's Did a not good one. <laughs> but is actually second. And then Mane oh. on he's in third. Yeah. That's close then. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it as it was close. I'm not giving you a point. So No, no, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> question number eight. Which team had the most fouls during this period? I can't remember who I came to last, so Doug, I'm going to come to you. No, it's my time. Oh, it's you. <laughs> Give oh, it to uh, Stefan, go on, yeah. on Stefan.
1: I- I'm going to go Burnley. I talked about all the ye- yellow cards, so Burnley is my shout.
0: Okay, and Doug? Uh, I'm <laughs> going to
2: say Man City tactical fouls from Pat
0: no they're not even Burnley and Man City not even in the top six in that period Everton oh. Everton top 180 Wolves then Crystal Palace Watford Sheffield United Southampton Brighton Man United
2: 179 from Fabian Delph. all those 180 yeah
0: Yeah, I agree with that right so We've now got to the last question, Stefan, and we've discovered that you're losing 5 2, so you can't win. But we'll ask it anyway. Question, yep. question number nine is who had the most saves during this period? So, Doug, who do you reckon has had the most saves during the period?
2: So, 5 2 is not unassailable if coronavirus hits the quiz as well.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> who had the most saves? I guess, yeah, Tim Krull. I'm just going to say him.
0: And uh, Stefan? Matt Ryan. From you then. Whoa so close Stefan but no cigar Leno was actually top on 66 side, <laughs> so <and> close <laughs> Ryan was second on 69 all over yeah. yeah you enjoy that guys so Doug you win well done Doug. Yeah,
2: yeah, thanks, thanks for, that. for that well done and you win nothing got some so... real nice bad touches not... I love that phrase <laughs>
1: I wonder if I really watch like four or five games a week you know, or if that's just a myth or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: you're ter- terrible. <laughs> yeah. Were you good at the quiz put... last year as well? What happened there?
1: No, no, no. I failed miserably there, there as well. Just so not
0: very good at quizzes. That shocks me. I that. get an- another chance next week, right? Yeah, you do. That's correct. Yep. Depending on who we have on, actually. So. Right, so... If it's just
1: me and you, I will win the quiz, I think. <laughs> oh,
0: thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Since you make it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we're going to move on to a word from our patrons. So we've got Mad Hatter and his Alexa's afterthought. You've got a little story on that one, actually, haven't you, um, Doug?
2: Just gonna, I was just going to say, I accidentally played out loud in a pharmacy in front of the woman behind the till.
0: You, you accidentally played out the, the foul-mouth Alexa. Yep. Yeah. so I, was, I, fr- took, a, I the... took a
2: phone call with earphones on, so quickly took off the earphones to take the call. Then as soon as the call finished... The podcast continued at almost full volume.
0: Brilliant. At uh, the worst the worst possible point. That is just brilliant. I'm sure Mad Hatter would love that that has actually happened to you. And I hope it happens to other people as well. And if it has, please let us know. Let us know on Twitter, at FPL Surgery. That will be funny to retweet. Okay, we're going to hear from Alexa's Afterthoughts then, so I'm going to play him now. Alexa... How are you dealing with things right now?
1: I'm okay, Mad Hatter. Fortunately, I'm able to work from home. Unfortunately, it's still your shite-infested home. (laughs) This week has seen, well, sold all. Football's been suspended. Every country has gone into hibernation. Apart from the UK, I mean, it's impossible for us. How would we be able to grab a vegan steak bake from Greg's, partake in a spot of road rage, then head off to the (laughs) pub to drink? Until our ears bleed. Luckily we can heed the advice from the ass clenching cringe-inducing, Pogba. Let's all dab Corona away. <laughs> Tw- <laughs> Countries are closing their borders. The USA have added the UK to their travel ban, which will please one man, Prince Andrew. On a more <laughs> serious note, these are testing times, and I hope you all stay safe. Up the pod. <laughs> Up the pod? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I asked him why why you what happened to being Scooby Doo? He just said to know no reason <laughs> that's mad hat of So thank you for those great thoughts. So Next week, as I mentioned, we will go over game weeks 15 to 29 and we do not currently have a guest for it. We were meant to have Ben Crellin to talk about the double game weeks but obviously that's not happening so we hope to get him in for another pod where the double game weeks might actually be happening and I haven't been asking around for a guest yet so in fact, I'm going to take this as the first shout ever for a guest for next week. So you don't even need a good record actually like the guests that we normally have. If you play the game, and are able to do a little bit of research for game weeks 15 to 29, have a microphone and a device you can connect Skype up to, then give me a shout on Twitter at James Drewery, D R E W E R Y, and whether or not you can be podding with us, see on the applications that get in, and then uh, yeah, you might be podding with us next week. So just going to thank Doug, you've been great, great to have you on, Doug. Hopefully get you on for maybe next year when we've got game weeks to actually look forward to. So appreciate you coming on today. Yeah,
2: thanks for the invite, and yeah, I was going to say good luck with the pod going forward, but who knows?
0: Yeah, <laughs> who knows? It, it, next year might not happen, we'll, we'll see. Um But if people want to contact you, where do they find you? How do they get hold of you? Uh t-
2: To be honest, I think I've got enough followers. <laughs> don't want any more.
0: You don't want any more? Not,
2: not saying I've got tons, but... I'm sick of the ones I have.
0: What, so. what a humble person.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a believer in fate. If you're meant to find me, you'll find me. Oh, wow. That's
0: credit to you. Love it. Right, so if you liked what you have heard today and would like to support the podcast, you can still do so at patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. And you can still join the mini-league, CCCJK2, even though nothing's going on. And you can check out our website, fplsurgery.com. We're on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, Twitter, at FPL Surgery. If you could subscribe, please rate the podcast and also email me, info at fplsurgery.com. So I'm not going to say good luck in the game weeks, because just, just don't take a hit, really. But, Stefan?
1: Uh, well, you forgot to mention... Uh... So comes algorithm this uh, game weekend it is suggesting you to stay at home <laughs> <laughs> nice i think you one. should follow that james i will and, up, I'll, I'll follow and up the pod up the pod up the pod, up the pod.